0: What did the Oklahoma Sooners need to do to retool their roster through the transfer portal? They're headed to the Cheez It Bowl. We'll talk about that on today's episode of Locked On Sooners. You are Locked On Sooners, your daily podcast on the Oklahoma Sooners, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. What's up, Sooner Nation? Welcome to Locked On Sooners. And thank you for making Locked On Sooners your first listen every single day. We're free and available on all platforms Spotify apple google and on youtube so subscribe to the show wherever you get your podcast we're just 112 subscribers away from 3,000 on youtube so go go over there smash that subscribe button hit the notification bell to let you know when new episodes drop hey we're gonna have our live show on monday night at 9 p.m central time on the youtube side of things so if you want to be a part of the show and share your thoughts on what oklahoma has to do to improve off of a six and six season Then come join us, be a part of the show, interact with fellow Sooner fans. It's always a great time in the chat. They always have a good time. Had a lot of compliments uh, just on the show itself, but also you see a lot of people just interacting in a really constructive way, which is a lot of fun to do. So, hey, thank you for joining us here on Locked on Sooners. I'm John Williams. He's Josh Helmer. Let's get into it. The Oklahoma Sooners are heading to the Cheez-It Bowl to play the Florida State Seminoles all time. The Oklahoma Sooners hold a 6-1 record uh, six straight dating back to 1976 over the Seminoles. And they won the last two in 2010 and 2011. And of course the national championship win over Chris, 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 Winky, Chris Winky and the Seminoles back uh, at the end of the 2000 season. Josh, your thoughts on the cheese It bowl.
1: I think Oklahoma got a pretty nice draw is, is what I think out of the cheese It bowl. I mean, w- what else could we hope for? Right. A, I mean, look, Florida state, do you put them in that blue blood mix? No, they're not. But Florida state's somebody that has, you know, won national championships and Oh, by the way, it's obviously the history for Oklahoma is you won your last national championship versus Florida state in the orange bowl. So it's a, a program that Oklahoma has history with, and it's a big name football brand. If it's not a blue blood, it's a big name football brand in Florida state. And they've had a solid year at nine and three. They've got a nice quarterback in Jordan Travis. So, for Oklahoma, in what has been a 6-6 six and six season to forget, this is a bowl game that the opponent itself is pretty exciting, John.
0: Yeah, and it's intriguing from another sense. They get to go play in Florida, one of the recruiting hotbeds. You don't get to do that very often right now. When you get to the SEC, you're going to get to play there a little bit more regular regularly, but, yeah, you don't get many games down in Florida. So you get to go to Orlando, get to play in front of, you know, Who knows what the crowd will be like, but you're going to at least be on television sets in Florida in front of recruits, a good chance to kind of put your best foot forward down there in the Southeast, which is, we know is a place that Brent Venables, Todd Bates, all those guys on that staff want to be able to recruit and recruit well. So I think Oklahoma got a really good draw. There was no telling where they were going to end up. I'd seen, you know, the first responders bowl. I'd seen the Liberty bowl, you know, in the, in the projections leading up to this, but it seemed like they did get a favorable draw. In large part because they're the Oklahoma Sooners, right? You know, they, they could have taken Oklahoma State, Baylor, Texas Tech, all of those could have been, you know, pretty good options. But the Cheez It Bowl got a little hot and spicy, which are my favorite flavor of Cheez Its, and decided to go with the Sooners because they're the hot and spicy brand that they could have chosen from. We know Oklahoma travels well. We know they're going to have a, a really, you know, solid showing in a really decent place to be if you're from Oklahoma. Getting down to Orlando at the end of December—that's a pretty nice, nice little deal. So you might want to take a little, little road trip down there or take a flight just to get away from the elements a little bit. At least get away from the wind. So I think it's a good draw. You know, Florida State—it's a solid team. Like they've had a good year, nine and three. It's better than what they were had been doing. Mike Norvell was on the hot seat going into the season. So the fact that they were able to, you know, win nine games and be really competitive in the ACC—I think that's a huge. You know, it's a huge test for Oklahoma. You know, anytime that you are going to play a, a team like Florida State, that obviously not as good as Clemson, not as good as UNC, but just, you know, a tier behind those teams, maybe not as good as Wake Forest, even, it, it's still going to be a challenge. And I, I think that's a good test for Oklahoma. It's a good chance. I mean, with the opt outs that we've seen, and we can talk about this for a second. It's a really good chance to see some of the younger players, Josh.
1: Absolutely, it is. And, you know, I've been kind of campaigning this, or I don't know. Workshopping throughout the year, this take, but honestly, I'm kind of down with bowl opt outs more so than I ever was or thought I would be three, four you know, I, I don't know, maybe even as recently as a year ago, right? But uh, getting to see what we saw a year ago, even though honestly it proved to be a little bit of fool's gold for us, what we saw in the Valero Alamo Bowl, uh, it? some of the top OU performers, John. It does. It adds a layer of intrigue to the bowl game itself, and it creates some great talking points for us throughout the off season. Gives us some some insight into okay, well, this is one game that we've seen X Y Z player play, and it drives a lot of our conversation again throughout the off season. Expectations of what maybe the hype train should or should not look like for said player. Now, again, I mean, I would point you no further than you know maybe stripling or or downs or grimes right until you know late in the year to where uh really what happened in the alamo bowl was not indicative of what happened in 2022 for oklahoma but all of that being the same i guess what i'm saying is i've totally flip-flopped here to where i kind of don't get as upset when some of the you know key figures in your program for a game like this in the cheese it bowl aren't playing in it i you understand and look i'm From the same end of the equation, if you told me that every single star, John, for Oklahoma was playing in the game, then, hey, great. I'm happy to see these guys play one more game in the Crimson and Cream. But if they're not, because it's not a college football playoff game, and there's not a national championship on the line, and, oh, by the way, some of these guys are trying to protect the almighty dollar in terms of the 2023 NFL draft, then a first look at some of these other players or maybe more of a look than we've seen so far is not the worst thing so i kind of dig that portion of it and then just you know what you touched on briefly i think this was an obvious indication that the oklahoma sooner's draw right if i have the bowl tie ins correctly obviously because tcu goes to the playoff then you got k state in the the sugar bowl as the big 12 champion then you go alamo then you go cheese it You know, based on the way the season played out, absolutely Oklahoma, you know, doesn't maybe necessarily have any business being in the Cheez-It Bowl, being the second pick off the board from, you know, TCU, K-State, and then the next two. Yeah, I mean, based on six and six, no, but I guess I could also make an argument for you, John, that it's a clear indication of, number one, yes, the brand of Oklahoma matters. And Oklahoma is going to rate and the cheese It bowl wants Oklahoma for that very reason. But number two, John, I will make the argument, Oklahoma saved for the TCU and Texas game played some exciting football games. And, you know, I, I think that probably the cheese Bowl bowls banking on that a little bit.
0: Yeah. You're definitely hoping for that. It's going to come down to how well, you know, Jacob Sexton or Jake Taylor, Tyler Guyton, you're kind of your, your next offensive tackles. Um, after Wanye Morris and Anton Harrison declared for the NFL draft, how how well they contain Jared Verse. Like Jared Verse, who was a very highly coveted transfer target in last year's transfer portal out of Buffalo, goes to Florida State, puts up a really good year, has NFL draft prospects himself, but is planning on playing in the bowl. So that's gonna be a really interesting matchup. Like, unlike the Oregon game, where they had a lot of guys out due to illness and a lot of guys that opted out of that game your, your young offensive tackles are going to get a test. And I mean, I haven't spent much time watching Florida state, so I can't really tell you much else beyond Jared verse, but I mean, you're, I haven't heard anything from Braden Willis yet on whether or not he's playing in the bowl. So I'm assuming he is at this point. Um, We know Marvin Mims is planning on playing. And so you're going to have two of your more important offensive figures. Dylan Gabriel is going to play. Then you're going to get to see young guys which i think is a good thing like i think it's good to get live game reps we talked about it in the you know the nick evers episode that we recorded on saturday night you know it uh, dropped on the podcast side on sunday morning uh, up on the youtube saturday night but anytime that you get an opportunity to give young players live game reps it's valuable i mean that's why the nfl plays a preseason because it gives you know guys that are going to be at the end of their roster or potentially practice squad guys live game reps that they're not going to get during the regular season otherwise. So anytime that you can get live reps, that's huge for your program. It's huge for your team in development. Now, am I going to put as much stock in what happens in the cheez Bowl as I did what happened in the Alamo Bowl last year? Probably not. Probably not. But I think there are going to be some places where we're going to be able to say, okay, how well your young offensive tackles did against a guy like Jared Verse, who does have probably top 100 NFL draft prospects, that's going to matter, and that I think that'll be a key matchup in the game. But we'll can, we'll get de- we'll get on that. We'll break that game down later um, here in the next couple of weeks. But uh, just kind of our first take on the Cheez It Bowl. I wish I had a box of Cheez It. We, we almost always have a box of Cheez Its in the house. I was planning on coming on the show, like holding up my box and like crunching on a few Cheez Its. But we're out of Cheez Its right now. Is crazy having a six year old and a two year old without Cheez Its is beyond me.
1: Which, by the way, John has shared maybe his worst take of all time. Absolutely, the original cheese it, which is the Oklahoma Sooners, is the best cheese it of them all, mm. bar none.
0: No, 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 no. I, actually, it's not even the hot and spicy cheese it. That's not even the best one. The best one is the the. I think it's white cheddar and parmesan mix. Mwah! It's oh. Très magnifique. <laughs> hey, but that's gonna do it for cheese it talk, <laughs> and we're gonna talk about what Oklahoma has to do in the transfer portal uh, coming up after Josh talks to you about. Our friends over at Omaha Steaks.
1: Yeah, speaking of tremendous food, Omaha Steaks, always incredible. Uh, Omaha Steaks, we, mom and dad, that was something that uh, dad loved grilling Omaha Steaks uh, out when we were growing up. And you know what? It's the perfect holiday gift. The holidays are here, ladies and gents. Achieve gifting greatness when you give the gift of perfectly aged, tender, and delicious Omaha Steaks. The steak experts at Omaha Steaks, they put together special curated gift packages to help take that you know frustrating at times guesswork out of the equation of gifting and make you the holiday hero that you need to be, you want to be. So go to OmahaSteaks.com, use the code LOCKEDON at checkout to get $30 off your order. That is, uh, again, OmahaSteaks.com. Use the code LOCKEDON at checkout to get $30 off
0: From the Big East to the Mountain West and everywhere in between, Andy and Isaac have college hoops covered on the Locked On College Basketball Podcast, available on YouTube and wherever you get podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Yeah, hey, and welcome back. So it's Transfer Portal Talk. Had the question brought to me over on the Twitter side uh, and my apologies, I can't find who the dude was that asked the question. But he asked, like, what is Oklahoma going to do in the transfer portal? Where are some areas that they need to address as they look to retool their roster for 2023? Josh, I'll, I'll let you kind of get it kicked off. Where do you think is kind of maybe the biggest priority for Oklahoma? I think you
1: you have to start trenches, right? I mean, if you can if you can add anything there, that would be great. And honestly, we saw Oklahoma... We saw Oklahoma just this past offseason add somebody who was a contributor in McCabe-Mittagher. So if there's somebody offensive line-wise that can bring you in, if nothing more, John, than to just provide somebody that at a power five level has started football games, doesn't necessarily mean that that's somebody that you're expecting to start at the University of Oklahoma. But from a depth standpoint, I think that would be obviously helpful, just given the draft affections that we've already seen from Oklahoma uh, obviously, you've gotten Lacey that you're bringing in, another defensive lineman, an impact guy there would be outstanding. You know, it's maybe this is like ridiculous or unfair to say, and it's sort of, hey, get off the fence and pick a position group. But, John, I, I don't know that there's a position group that's off the table for Oklahoma to consider about if there's something out there, a player out there that wants to come to the University of Oklahoma I think you evaluate everything, and we're probably going to hear that from Coach Venables at some point, that, look, we're evaluating everything, and it's, it's coach speak, and you hear that all the time. But honestly, after a 6-6 six and six season, that is kind of where Oklahoma's at, John. It's not going to be coach speak for OU. So to answer that question, pick one specific group. I guess I'd lean just in the trenches, both sides of the football. But, man, probably everything's got to be on the table,
0: Yeah, I think that's a fair assessment. Part of me wonders how much they're gonna be portal shopping. You know, like they they brought in a pretty significant class this last year. And you know, they got some they had some impact players, Jeffrey Johnson, Jonah L'Ula, obviously Dylan Gabriel. But I think at wide receiver, I don't know how much they'll they'll attack. Now, if somebody you know comes available that can is an immediate upgrade over anything that they have. Maybe they, maybe they make a move, but you brought in two wide receivers with experience last year in the portal and didn't really play him much. So you don't really have much of an understanding of what they bring to the table for you. We might see more of them this next year. We haven't heard anything on Marvin Mims yet. Him playing in the bowl game. I mean, that, that doesn't necessarily mean that he's staying. It doesn't necessarily mean he's going it it, it just, he's playing in the bowl game. Um, So you might not have a necessarily have a need at wide receiver, uh, you don't really have a need at quarterback, except if you want to bring in somebody to compete with Davis Bevel for for a spot on the depth chart. Because we know that Dylan Gabriel is going to start. Jackson Arnold's kind of the heir apparent, the guy, the you know, the dude waiting in the wings. At running back, I don't know. Maybe maybe just a little bit more depth. Um, you can never have enough guys. I mean, there's who knows what Marcus Major is going to do. I don't know if he's going to be truly satisfied with his workload that he got this past year. Obviously, he'll compete for snaps with Javante Barnes and Gavin Sawchuk next year. He's kind of the most experienced dude, but he kind of fell down the depth chart this year. Uh, I think offensive line—you can never have enough offensive linemen. They've done a really good job at adding guys in the portal. You know, it was McCade Mctire this past year, Chris Murray the year before, that played significant snaps for the Oklahoma Sooners and were impact players along the offensive line. I think that—that's a place where Bill Bidmo can continue to, to go shopping and see, Hey, can I add another, you know, important depth piece at least to see like, Hey, can they compete for a starting job? Um, I, I think they're going to be in, intrigued to see what your young tackles can do. You know, they're four-star guys. You've got Tyler Guyton who showed some things this past year. I think he'll be in line to start at one of the tackle spots. So I think offensively, it, it'll be interesting to see. A tight end, that could be a place where they look like to get a little bit more experience because you don't really have much of that right now at tight end. Uh, that's not to say that those guys couldn't end up starting, whether it's Jason Llewellyn or, or Caden Helms, but you want to have a, like a solid floor. And I think that's what you're kind of looking for across the board. If you get, if your young guys step up and they, they take starting spots, whether it's a Grayson Halton at defensive tackle or R. Mason Thomas at defensive end, then you, you're, you're thrilled with that but you want to have a solid floor. You want to have kind of a safety net. And that's why they brought in guys like Jonah Lula, Jeffrey Johnson, uh, Daniel Parker uh, at tight end as well, just to give yourself some stability in case your projections don't pan out uh, defensively. I'm with you. I think if they can add um, some more interior defensive line play, that'd be helpful. Ethan downs. I think he's on an upward trajectory. You know, I think he finished the season really strong maybe another year to kind of continue to develop him and Danny Stutzman. I think they'll have better seasons next year. And we saw them get better as the season went along. And I think that, you know, being their first year starting with this team, I think it it's going to give them an opportunity to continue to develop. Uh, secondary, I'd like to see them add some players in the secondary, although we don't know what's going to happen with Woody Washington. I imagine he's back because I don't necessarily think he had the season that he was hoping he'd have. CJ colden. Hopefully he's back. Cause he's one of your more impactful defensive back, you know, players. Um, and then Billy Bowman will start. And then it looks like Key Lawrence will probably, probably be back as well. Um, and so I don't know, it, it'll be interesting to see, I, but I also have this feeling and you can tell me if I'm crazy about this after, after the break here in a second, but I don't know if they have to be super aggressive in the transfer portal. And that might be really crazy. And we'll talk about that after I talked to you about our friends over at simply safe, simply safe is the place you want to go. If you're concerned about your home security during the holiday season, if you're living in a neighborhood like we are, and you're hearing of folks having packages stolen off their front porch, maybe it's time to look into simply safe. We believe home should be where you and your family feel safest, especially over the holidays. This season, give yourself and your family the gift of peace and protection with the number one rated Home security system, Simply Safe. And right now, Simply Safe is offering locked on sooner's listeners 40% off a new security system. 40% off. That is a crazy discount. Don't put it off. Go to Simply Safe. It was named the best home security system of 2022 by US News and World Report for the third year in a row. They've got great technology. Exclusively for Simply Safe that it provides 24-7 professional monitoring agents with their fast protect system. It's a whole home security system with advanced sensors for every room, window and door, HD security cameras for inside and out, smarter ways to detect motion that alert you only when a threat is real, and even hazard sensors that detect fires, floods, and other threats to your home. I mean, there's no telling what could happen to your home. Having a system like Simply Safe just provides you the extra. Peace of mind. Like if a flood's coming, you know what to do. If you're out of town and your water heater starts leaking a little bit, Simply Safe can alert you and you can get somebody in there just to shut the water off, prevent any further damage. Again, Simply Safe, that's where you need to go. SimplySafe.com slash locked on college using our promo code locked on college to get 40% off any system over at SimplySafe.com. So, Josh, again, this might be crazy take, this might be incredibly wild. But given the 2022 recruiting class, I know they lost Nick Evers. I know they lost Kevonte Henry. I know they lost Alton Tarber. But given you got Robert Spears Jennings coming up, you got Gentry Williams going to probably see more time. You've got Kobe McKenzie and Jaron Canick and Kip Lewis. You got Grayson Halton. I mean, we haven't seen what's going to happen with Jordan Kelly or Isaiah Coe yet. Uh, you've got your defensive line pretty well intact. You got Jacob Lacey coming in. So the defense, I mean, there are players that you think are going to be pretty impactful for you. Offensively, we kind of talked about the what's there and what you're losing. But am I crazy to think that maybe they won't be super aggressive given their recruiting classroom 2022, what they're putting together for 2023? It could just be like, hey, let's let this ride. Let's let these young guys play and figure it out. I think it's,
1: I mean, it's obviously it's going to be the, question of the offseason and then after said question is answered john it's going to be the question that's revisited next season depending on you know what what happens and what plays out for oklahoma i say that because look you're coming off a six and six season and if it goes poorly next year then i'll break the news to you brent vidables is going to be on the hot seat going into his, his third season so with all of that being out there and on the table i do think And I still believe the lifeblood of Oklahoma's program and of really any successful college program, John, is still going to be built upon what the 2022
0: class, what the 20, what, but also, yeah, we we lost Josh for a second, but he's talking about the, the, you know, what the 2022 and 2023 recruiting class looks like could very well impact how they attack the transfer portal. Continue, Josh.
1: Yeah. Well, what I was going to say is I think this off season is going to tell us a lot for how the future at Oklahoma is going to play out. I don't think Oklahoma or Brent Venables necessarily, I think they understood that name image and likeness was going to be a part of their makeup, their identity to some degree, John, But now that they've had transfer portal swings and misses across the board, save for what, Dylan Gabriel and C.J. Colden, right? And Eric Gray, absolutely, you would say, no doubt, home run. But that was before uh, this staff was in place. So, you know, really a couple of guys that were successful. The way of the future, we're going to get, I think, some answers on that. The Crimson and Cream Collective. We talked to Jason Belzer right here on this podcast. You can go search that episode in uh, you know our YouTube archives. It's probably pretty simple. Just locked on Sooners in Crimson and Cream, and you're you're gonna find that episode. And it was very illuminating what he talked about, Jason, about how this is going to really kind of be a pivotal, foundational piece on whether or not you stay competitive. And I know that there's fans out there that are like, yeah, you know, I've already got season tickets, and on and on and on, but. And I'm not saying that, look, you got to sign up for a Crimson and Cream membership or this or that. I'm just saying that we're going to find out this offseason, I think, because, look, I look around the country and I look at somewhere that I cover closely, which is the University of Iowa. There's no doubt that the NIL Iowa Swarm Package was a part of Cade McNamara going to the University of Iowa. And so if Oklahoma John is going to be active on the transfer portal, I think now you're kind of out of the, eh, you know, and I sat there and said not too long ago in this episode, well, it'd be nice to see them get a piece here or there just for depth purposes. Ultimately, going forward in the transfer portal, probably you should only be bringing guys in that are going to be, you think, definite difference makers. And how do you get that done? You get that done through name, image, and likeness, right? So I think that all of which is to say it's probably way too long-winded of a way to say that this offseason to me, John, is going to be very much a clear indicator on whether or not Oklahoma is going to be down for that or interested in doing that.
0: I'm totally with you on the go for the home run edition. There's talk about Xavier Worthy being in the transfer portal. That's the dude I go full court press for because he's a difference maker. Or USC going after Jordan Addison last last uh transfer portal cycle. Like those are the difference makers. Yeah, you can add depth, that's fine. But I think even Brent Venables has mentioned in the last year, like they want the foundation of their program to be built through recruiting. And we saw how much emphasis they put on that in, you know, as they finish the twenty twenty two cycle and this twenty twenty three one is gonna in, end up even better, even better than what it is now. They're seventh in the nation in 24 seven sports team recruiting rankings. It's going to, it's going to climb. It just is. So I think that's what they want the foundation of their team to be. And you're right. Go out there, get the legitimate star difference maker. The guy that you're going to insert into your starting lineup week one and not have any question marks about whether or not he belongs there. I think that's, that's going to be huge. And I, and I, I think it makes sense because you bring in too many transfers, you kind of muddy the waters a little bit. And then potentially you, you end up, you know, I don't want to say like, you know running off your recruiting class, but you make it, you put a little bit of a log jam. You know, we, in the NFL, they talk about progress stoppers, right. And NBA, you know, professional sports, you talk about progress stoppers. That's kind of like the middling veteran player. Who's solid. He's a solid player, but he's taken minutes or ice time or snaps away from a younger player that you think is going to be really, really good, potentially a star and has a much higher ceiling as Josh is motioning here on the YouTube side. That's the potential issue you run into with being heavy in the transfer portal is taking potential practice snaps, game snaps away from the young guys that you want to develop. The way you develop them is giving them reps if you've got too many transfers in in-house that are veteran players that are more than likely going to be above them on the depth chart, it limits the amount of snaps and reps those guys can get. And so, and that's why, like, I think maybe for the 2022 season, they were heavy in the transfer portal because they knew that they had to rebuild their depth pretty quick. But I don't, I don't know if they're going to be as aggressive in the 2023 cycle. Maybe they will maybe, but I don't even know if they have to be because if you want recruiting to be the foundation of your program and how you acquire talent and then go after a piece here and there in the portal, then maybe you're not going to go shopping in the same vein that you did, or you're going to be looking for more just like solid floor pieces.
1: Like I said, I just think that we are set for what is going to be a fascinating case study on what the rest of Oklahoma's future is both in the present and long-term looks like with Venables and, and this staff in place. Right. I mean, I think it's pretty obvious just reading the tea leaves out there that Oklahoma has changed its tone and tenor a little bit in regards to name, image and likeness. And I think now I don't have this on any sourced authority. This is just an educated guess on my behalf. So I don't want to present this in the way that people think that, you know, it's, in any way that, that I've got some sort of source on the inside telling me this. I'm just putting the puzzle pieces together, and I do think that you're going to see Oklahoma. I'm hopeful of this too, John, that you see Oklahoma be a little bit more selective with what they add out of the transfer portal and that what they add out of the transfer portal are guys that, frankly, name, image, and likeness was a big part of them choosing to come to Norman and they're difference makers coming to Norman.
0: And that's going to do it for today's episode of locked on Sooners. It's a great place to stop there on that one, Josh, because it's going to be a really interesting off season to see how this coaching staff looks to continue to build this program. Um, We'll find out here in the, in the, in the next coming, in the coming weeks, I think we'll learn more after the bowl season on Oklahoma's transfer portal acquisitions, but the next couple months are going to be really, really key uh, to Oklahoma's future under Brent Venables. Absolutely. Um, but until next time, again, don't forget about our live show Monday night, 9 PM central time on YouTube. Come be a part of it. Interact with fellow Sooners fans. Sometimes we ever, every once in a while we get a, a fan from an opposing team in there to, to talk shop, but you know, it's usually good natured. It's never, you know, Real disrespectful. It's just having fun. And we just like to have fun on the show. We usually go 30, 45 minutes. Sometimes we, like last week, I think we went 50 minutes because there was just so much to talk about. Uh, so come be a part of the show. We'll take your questions. We'll react to your comments over there on the YouTube chat. So make sure you're doing that. Subscribe to the show wherever you get your podcast Again, help us get to 3,000 subscribers on YouTube, just 112 away. Be a part of helping us get there. That's our goal. We launched YouTube, uh, it was like the first of November. 2021 and so in a little over a year it's gone from no subscribers to 3,000 subscribers and you're a big part of that and i just want to say thank you uh, for being a part of the show it's been a blast and i know josh has only been a part of the show for about eight months or or so but he's i'm I'm thankful to have him on the show it's always great chopping up sooner's football and other sports with josh and it's it's been fun over the last year it's like we're saying goodbye at the end of the year or something like that it's not even the case we're gonna have so much more every single day with you on the Oklahoma Sooners. Uh, we might take a day off here and there, but for the most part, we're going to be five days a week from now until June, July, kind of the dead time for Oklahoma sports. But until our live stream, Monday night, 9 p.m. Central time, we'll catch you then. He's Josh. I'm John Boomer Sooner.